Every impact leaves its mark. An impression, something that indicates change has been made. Impact 2020 is a call to action, an opportunity to invest in the future, to invest in our facilities, and invest in our friends. It's a call for Lake Point to continue to be on mission for Christ as we join forces with strategic partners here and around the world. Impact 2020 begins right here at home. In 1979, seven on-mission families gathered for the first time on the shores of Lake Ray Hubbard. Their vision was to reach that immediate neighborhood for Christ. In 1996, God expanded our vision to the entire region and the church moved to its current Rockwall location. Since that time, we have planted campuses in Mesquite, Garland, Forney, and Richardson. In 2012, an online experience was established with the launch of our internet campus. Last Easter, over 30,000 people joined together to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at all of these local campuses. The impact that we make in these communities also includes our work with 19 local ministry partners, ministries that feed the homeless, shelters battered women and children, tutor students in need, and provide medical assistance to those who need it most. Lake Point provides construction teams, medical care, leadership support, and financial assistance for ministry partners all around North Texas. Ministries like Genesis Center. Since 2001, the Genesis Center has served over 1,700 women and children who needed a safe place to get their lives back together. Lori and her two young sons are three of those people. After drugs entered her home, her marriage fell apart. We lost everything that we had had, and I was broken. After spending almost a year in jail, Lori enrolled in the Genesis Center. Counselors there helped her discover a new hope and regain her confidence. They showed me something that I'd never seen before. They showed me how to have integrity, how to be faithful. A couple of the classes in particular, we have a discipleship class and, and our teacher there really showed me what it was to love God and to believe in the Bible and to live it in your life. Lake Point partners with these women by providing volunteer services and financial resources for the Genesis Center. From building facilities to leading Bible studies, Lake Point members are helping impact the lives of hundreds of women and children as they re-establish themselves in our community and grow deeper in their walk with God. The investments that we make through Impact 2020 will allow us to continue to support Genesis Center and our 18 other local ministry partners. On our own campuses, we will be able to expand facilities, parking, and technology to make room for more families who will join us as we have a greater impact. One life, one community, and one nation at a time. If you're a guest with us today, you picked a great day to be here because you're going to see at the end of my message how much these people love you. Uh, because at the end of the message, I'm gonna be asking those who consider Lake Point their home to take whatever they've placed in that offering envelope and bring it to one of the tables around the auditorium. 
And what they're basically saying is we're willing to give away, we're willing to sacrifice not only this gift, but our time and our talent and our influence to make sure this community knows about the love of God, that the physical needs, the emotional needs, as well as the spiritual needs of this community, uh, communities beyond this community, this nation, and even the world are met. And so uh, I hope that uh, uh, as a guest, you know, we don't expect for you to participate in this, but we pray that it would be a witness, a testimony to you. Uh, we've been talking these past few weeks about how to, have, how, how to have an impact, and it's more than an offering. It's really about our whole life. How can you and I have an impact before we leave this earth? How can our families have an impact? And how can we have an impact as a church? And one of the things that we've been looking at is we've been looking at the, those biblical aspects that ensure that we have an impact. And we've talked about three of those. First of all, it's to believe. And we've talked about how believing impacts our behavior. We've talked about belonging, how we can do more together than we can any of us do by ourselves, and then by blessing. In other words, finally taking the action to give away what God has given to us. And uh, so I wanna do, before we talk about that last aspect about bless, I wanna take a, a, just a couple steps back and I want us to review believe and belong. Uh, for those of you who aren't with us, and for those of you who were with us who weren't listening, all right? <laughs> First of all, it begins with believe, because really what we believe impacts uh, how we behave. And you can say you believe something up here, but if it doesn't affect your behavior, then that's not really what you believe. There's at least two beliefs that will uh, have a great impact on our ability to have an impact, and that is, first of all, to believe that there is a God who created everything. If there is a God who created everything, then I owe him everything. And I no longer live my life for me, but I live it for what he created me for. And to believe, second of all, that there is a Jesus who died for everyone. And if there is a Jesus who died for me and died for everyone else, then it, it changes how I'm going to live my life. Uh, we looked at a scripture last week that comes from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 15 that says, he died for all so that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. And we've talked about how there is a holy and a healthy obligation to live our life on God's agenda, not our own. So it begins with believe. But then we talked about last week about how belonging amplifies our ability to have an impact. Because we can do much, much more together than any of us can do by, be by ourselves. Part of that is because of the way that God has put together the body called the, the Christian fellowship. Uh, he's uniquely gifted every single believer here. Uh, some of us are the hands, others of us are the feet, some of the eyes and ears. And just like the human body is made up of many uniquely gifted parts, so is the body of Christ. And when you and I don't participate, we cripple the body of Christ in this world. And so we, we belong because we understand how God uniquely has placed us in his body. Also we belong because in belonging, there is encouragement, there is support, and yes, there's even accountability for us to have an impact. But now we come to talk about the actual action, the movement, uh, implementing, uh, called blessing. Now this whole concept of blessing is an interesting concept. When you go all the way back to the Old Testament, 
I think one of the things that will help us understand the concept of what it means to bless is that there's a story of Abraham and Sarah. And you remember that uh, Abraham and Sarah were, were promised by God that they would be the parents of a great nation. They'd be the beginning of a great nation. But the problem was that Abraham and Sarah got old enough that that became less likely. And then it became impossible. Well past childbearing years. And yet the scriptures tell us in the Old Testament that God, don't miss this, he blessed Sarah's womb. And then we read about a child that's coming. What does it mean to bless? It means, first of all, a touch from God, a miraculous touch, a life-changing touch. And when God touches your life, when he touches my life, when he blesses us, we are changed forever. It's not a normal touch. Uh, there was a time when Jesus Christ was walking through the crowd and there was a woman who was very, very sick, had been sick most of her life, and she reached out and she was able to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus knew that that had happened. He said, power has gone out of me. When, when there's a touch from God, when there's a connection with God, something miraculous happens. That's what it means to be blessed. Uh, legend tells us in that early church, when there was persecution, and one Christian was not feeling free, the freedom to acknowledge that they were a follower in certain circumstances, but they thought that the other person in that social setting might be also a believer that they could find some fellowship with, uh, they would take their foot and just kind of draw half of a symbol in the dirt with their sandal or with their toe. They would just draw something like this. And if the other person was a believer, what they would do is they'd signify that by just completing that symbol and drawing the ichthus. You know, sometimes I'm in settings and I don't know someone very well and it's, very, it's a passing kind of situation and so I don't have time for a conversation and I kind of wonder because I see little hints that they might be a follower of Christ and I kind of wonder if they're a brother or sister in Christ. Have you ever been in one of those situations? And it used to be that if someone wore a particular piece of jewelry, I remember though asking someone one time, they were wearing a cross, and I said, oh, are you a follower of Christ? They said, no, I just like the jewelry. And so that's not always a safe one. But one of the things that I've noticed lately is language, a little bit of language around this word bless. I'll say to someone, how are you doing today? Just kind of in passing a courtesy, and they won't say I'm doing good, or I'm doing great, or I'm doing well. They'll say, I'm blessed. Ah, there's something different there. That's a powerful word. That's a unique word. I was going through a toll booth uh, a couple of weeks ago in Florida, and I, and I paid the money to get on the toll road, and the guy that was standing there had the biggest old grin in the world, and he said, have a blessed day. And there was a connection that's there. There's something powerful about that word bless. It holds within it the concept of God touching us. And to have an impact in this world, what we are called on to do is to believe in that God, to belong to his family, but not to stop there, to actually extend to others that same touch. Not our touch, but his, don't miss this, his touch through us. That's a powerful, powerful 
concept because this is not about us doing things for God or his kingdom. This is not about our money. This is not about our words. This is about allowing God to anoint us and to touch other people with no less than his touch through us. Here's what we're talking about today. The fact that we have been blessed so that we can pass it on. That we have been blessed or that God has blessed us that we might bless others. There's a perversion that's out there, an Americanized version of Christianity that says that becoming a follower of Christ is all about me. It's about me having my sins forgiven. It's about me having my hurts healed. It's about me having success with my agenda. In fact, to listen to some so-called Christians, you would think that God is their servant rather than the other way around in helping them achieve their goals and their comfort. But you don't find that in the Bible. What you find in the Bible is that we have been blessed by God so that we might bless others. And the call of salvation is a call to receive a blessing, but it is also at the same time a call to give a blessing. Again, let's go all the way back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to Genesis, the 12th chapter, with Abraham, who at that particular time was called Abram. And it says in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Don't miss this. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so shall you be a blessing. You see, it wasn't an afterthought that Abraham was to touch others even as God had touched him. It was the very purpose that God touched him that Abraham would touch others. The disciples, some of the disciples were, before they became disciples, they were mending their nets and Jesus came along. You remember when he came along, he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It wasn't just come follow me. It wasn't just receive. It was come follow me and then I'm gonna send you out. It wasn't an afterthought. It was a part of the invitation. And to bless others is woven into the very fabric of God's blessing to us. Listen to Ephesians, the second chapter, in verse eight. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created in Christ Jesus to bless others, even as we have been blessed. First Peter, the third chapter, verse eight. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. Don't miss this. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Don't miss this. He says here, you're to not act like everybody else acts and hurt the way everybody else hurts. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. No, 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 not for you. That when evil comes your way, when insults come your way, what you're to do instead is to reach out as God reached out to you in an undeserving way, in a grace-giving way, 
and give a blessing. He says give a blessing because you were called for that very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. There is a blessing, an additional blessing, a second blessing in the giving of a blessing. And there's a sense in which you're missing out on part of what salvation is all about if you're not a channel, a channel. When I was a kid growing up, we used to sing a hymn, Lord, make me a channel of blessing today. We're never were meant to, to be just the recipients of that, but we were to be one that would give that to others. In light of the recent events in Paris, where we see a religion gone wrong, we have in stark contrast the command not to render evil for evil or insult for insult. Christianity stands by itself in this world in that it is not a it is not a religion of works where we earn our way to get a blessing from God that we deserve, but rather undeserved we receive a touch from God. And that creates a kind of humility that kind of a, a, creates a, a heart that's grateful, that overflows in wanting to give that same undeserved touch and that same grace to others. And those who are outside of the faith are not our enemies. They are our customers. They're the ones that God has called us to touch with grace just as we have been touched with grace. In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, you actually have this verse written on the back of your worship guide. Turn there, if you will, just look at it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says this. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I remember when I was a kid growing up, one of the very first TV shows I ever remember watching, and I watched it in black and white in our living room, was called The Millionaire. Now, I'm, I'm looking across, and there are not very many of you who will even remember that show, but I'm seeing a, a few of you who would. You remember what The Millionaire was about? There was a... There was a character in it called Michael Anthony and he would come in every week and the millionaire would be sitting there in his chair and you never would see the millionaire's face the millionaire would say, I've chosen to have you deliver for me a million dollars, this is the key part, tax free, <laughs> to this family or to this individual and he would hand an envelope and then Michael Anthony would go and the episode that week would be about how he would come to someone who was surprised by this gift, who didn't earn this gift, but whose life was radically changed by this gift. Now I'm just a little kid, but here, here's what was funny. What intrigued me was not, wouldn't it be great for Michael Anthony to come to our home and give us that million dollars? What intrigued me is, wouldn't it be cool to get to do that every week? Wouldn't that be fun to come into someone's life that saw no hope, that had a disaster that was at the dead end, was even sometimes thinking about taking their own life, and to say, here's something that would change all of that. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be cool to be able to do that, to have that kind of impact on others? And I thought of that show when I read this verse this week, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you might have an abundance for every good deed. Friends, We've got more to give away than a million dollars. They tell me the million dollars is not what it used to be. <laughs> that you can lose it, you can spend it, 
They tell me when you die, you don't get to take it with you. We can give people something that will change their eternity. And I'm not just saying that it will change what happens to them after they die. It will change their eternity beginning today and forever. God has promised to give us something that we can give away that's the most valuable thing in the world. Whatever God has given you, whatever God has given me, whether it's talent or time or influence or money, whatever it might be, he's given it to us that we might give away. He's blessed us that we might bless others. Whenever I go to the Holy Land, most of the time, whether I'm with a small group or a larger group, we make our way, and it takes a while to get there, to the lowest place on earth, the Dead Sea. Now there are places in the ocean that are lower than that, but there is no other place in, on planet Earth surrounded by land that is lower than the Dead Sea. And, and they call it the Dead Sea for a reason. There are no fish in the Dead Sea. There's no plant life in the Dead Sea. And the reason is, it is the lowest place on earth. The, the, the water all flows to it, but nothing flows out of it. There's some of the water that comes from the Judean wilderness when those storms happen up in Jerusalem and they come through the wadis and come all the way down to the Dead Sea. There's snow that mount, uh, melts on Mount Hermon and then flows down into the Sea of Galilee and then down the Jordan River. All the water is coming toward that Dead Sea, but because it's the lowest place, no water ever flows out of it. The only way that water gets out of it is to be evaporated. And as a result, the salt content in the Dead Sea is 8.6 times that of any sea. And that's why nothing lives there. And in the same way, if we receive but we never give, there's a kind of death that comes about. There is life. There is life in giving away what God has given to us. And if we're gonna have an impact, we not only must believe in a God who made everything and a Jesus who died for everyone, we must not, all, not just gather together our collective influence to belong, but we must also give. That you don't have an impact without generosity. Look at verse 10 of that same verse. It says, now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now he uses the metaphor here of a farmer and a farmer comes to harvest time and when he comes to harvest time he has all of this grain and that grain is grain to be consumed but it is also seed for the next harvest. And every farmer has a choice just like you and I have a choice. Here's the choice. How much do I consume and how much do I plant? How much do I sow? Because if the farmer eats all of the seed, he will not eat again. If the farmer eats all of the seed, if he consumes all the seed, no one else will eat. But if he makes a choice to sow the seed, then it multiplies. You do understand that the seed that is consumed is not multiplied. It goes in the toilet. Excuse me. It's only the seed that's sown that multiplies. Back at when I pastored by my very first church, I was a college student in View, Texas. We lived on a little five-acre plot of land, a little parsonage that was out there. It was kind of interesting. We were at the, the foothills 
of the, of the little area. And there was one road that rode back into town where the little church was. And almost everyone who attended our little church lived on that road somewhere. On Sunday evenings, Marsha and I would get in the car and we'd start down the road and we would notice to the right and left people would be sitting on their porches waiting to see the preacher come by. And they, when they see us drove by, they would get in their pickup truck or they'd get in their car. And when we pulled in the parking lot of that church, there was nobody there. By the time we got to the top of the steps, everybody that was going to be there that night had pulled into the parking lot. One night we came from town instead of our home and nobody was at church on Sunday night. <laughs> well, one of the things I learned that when you got there, you stood on the porch and you talked about how much rain you got in your rain gauge. And I got tired of being left out of the conversation, so I got myself a rain gauge. The next thing I knew, I got into farming. And I decided that we were gonna plant some potatoes. And I'm a maximizer, so I got the biggest bushel of potatoes that you could get. I didn't know the potato is actually the seed. It's the eyes of the potato. You cut up the potato and you plant it. You put straw in it to keep it loose so they'll grow big. And we planted the whole thing. And we had enough potatoes to feed all of North America the next year. What I learned by that is that's how you get more. If you eat the potato, that's it, it's gone, it's over. You plant the potato, there's not only food for you, but there's food for others and others and others. Notice the promise here, the promise is to supply and multiply your seed for sowing. There's not a promise to multiply for consuming. There's one of our leadership couples who made their commitment to Impact 2020 a couple of weeks ago and I heard the story this week about how they had prayed hard about what they were gonna set aside, what they were not gonna consume, that they were gonna invest in the kingdom of heaven. And they did it with fear and trembling because it was a very large amount from their perspective and they really didn't know how they were gonna keep that commitment over the next four years. And they shared with a little Bible study group that they were in that just right after that, this last week, that they got word of a windfall that was exactly double what they had committed for four years. Now listen to me, I'm not saying that God will always do that. But what God was saying to that young couple, he was saying, I've got this. Do you understand that when we get ready to impact his world, when we get ready to bless other people, we're not blessing him with our resources, we're blessing them with his resources and they are unlimited. And did you realize that when he gives back, he doesn't give back to say, okay, you give to get, you'll get more if you give. That's not the message, I'm not a televangelist, okay? The message is he will give you more to plant. And it may not be to Lake Point, it may not be to the impact offering, it may be to a, a relative who's going through a tough time or a coworker who's lost their job. But you understand that when that begins to flow, God will give you more to give. He will increase your harvest of righteousness. What harvest are we trying to what are we trying to gather that we could put into bigger barns? What harvest is our harvest of righteousness that will live far beyond our years on this earth? Look at verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in everything for consumption, for comfort, no. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, for all generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Don't miss that. Thanksgiving to God. That's the end result. Thanksgiving to God. I always struggle with this whole thing of blessed because I understand that God blesses us. I even have come to get a good handle on what it means for us to bless others with his blessing. 
But you know, in the Bible, it tells us to bless God. How does one bless God? Well, it's, it's a different kind of blessing because when God blesses us, it's undeserved. When we bless God, it is deserved. Bless God, oh my soul. Bless his holy name. I think the psalm that captured the most for me is found in Psalm 100. I want to close with this. And I want you to look very carefully at these words that are coming up on the screen. It says in verse three, it says, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Oh, that's where we began three weeks ago. Believe that there is a God who created everything. That's why he deserves our blessing, our acknowledgement, our honor. And then he goes on to say, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. There's belonging. Notice he didn't say, I am his person and the sheep of his pasture. He said, we are his people. There's believe and belong right there in the psalm. And then he goes on with the blessing. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And the psalmist is used a couplet here to say, let me tell you what blessing is. Blessing God is thanking God. And thanking God is not just the words that we say. Thanking God is blessing others with his blessing, which will produce thanksgiving to God. To live in such a way with the name of Christian on us that people would bless God because of the impact that we've had on their life. That's really what it's all about. It's really not about us. And it's really not even about the people that we choose to bless with the resources that God has given us. It's about God being blessed. The one who deserves all honor and praise and thanksgiving. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we pray that you would receive the gifts that we give and more. I pray, dear Father, that as we lay these gifts on the table, that they would represent not just a little bit of our money, a portion of the financial resources, but it would be a symbol of the fact that we give it all to you, that we give you our time, we allow you to control our calendar, that we make margin for those who don't deserve as we don't deserve grace that we use our influence and our leverage of our relationships and our networks to benefit people that you died for, that you care about, that we use kind words and soft, tender touches to communicate your love to others, that we share the good news that there's a God who loves and forgives. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray.